0: This is going to be one of the episodes where I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to throw something together because I've been on vacation the last couple of days and I've been chilling like a villain. You know what I'm saying? I'm sunburned from my back to my chest to my nipples. I'm a little burnt up, a little beat up, but it is what it is. So how are we doing? Welcome everyone to another edition of Conversation with Shelby Green and the very first edition permanently of Thursday's Conversation with Shelby Green because we're going Thursdays from now on as I take a swig of this p- for the working man. Ah, that's a good Pepsi right there. Um, I don't know why, but man, I'm being weird lately because like I like a Pepsi in the fridge, and then I put ice on top, make it extra cold. Maybe I'm a little weird. I don't know. Anyway, so what's been going on with me lately? Obviously, you know if you follow me on Instagram at Conversation with Shelby Green. If you haven't followed me on Instagram, what's stopping you from following me on Instagram? But anyway, plain and simple, guys. Um, had uh, just scheduling with work and stuff's been very hectic and. Just trying to find the time to record has been nuts. I've been going to the gym more often. I feel I've been more active. And just been busy. Like last Monday and Tuesday, I've been out of town. Well, I went to Kentucky Kingdom. I'll tell you what happened. So this Monday, this past Monday, I went to Kentucky Kingdom, went back to my home. Girlfriend, little man, and his friend. We all went. Had a good convers had a good time. Then we had um Obviously, you know, then we came home and then Tuesday went to Indiana Dunes and a lot of fun, got really burnt up, relaxation, and came home last night about 7 8 o'clock, got settled in for the night and relaxed. And now I'm recording this at 6 o'clock in, in the evening and getting ready for work in about four hours. Got to head to work in about four and a half hours. So it's how I do things, man. You know it is what it is at this point. Girlfriend's leaving for Chicago this coming up week, or this week, uh, this weekend. So I got as soon as I get off work Saturday morning, I got to drive to Chicago. So I've been very busy and hectic, man. My life has been very crazy right now. But I enjoy it. I I, I truly enjoy it. And it is what it is. So that being said, what can we expect from now on with on Thursdays? Same content, same lineup. I don't really have anything for this week for you guys to talk about. There's nothing that's really caught my attention or my eyes to have a solid foundation of an episode. But I do have some upcoming news. Um, obviously, we all know SummerSlam is right around the corner. So I was going to tell you, like, what are some SummerSlam moments that I think defy the... Event itself, and I do have an announcement to make here in a couple weeks. My buddy Virgil Patton, who has been on the show before, I requested him to come over Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. We are going to sit down right here and do a watch along. We are going to do a full watch along, it will be the longest episode to date on this program, and it's going to be of SummerSlam 1998 my favorite SummerSlam, The Highway to Hell. You know, it's the the build-up was the highway held between The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship. We're going to do a watch-along. Now, I will state what is a watch-along, how does it work? This is what it is. Virgil and I are going to sit here. We're going to watch it, the whole event itself. And we're going to sit here and watch it. And basically what we're going to do is you won't hear the volume this well on the microphone. You won't hear it that well at all too much. You'll be hearing me and Virgil's commentary on it. However, what you can do if you're listening to the show or the program, you can have it on in the background and have it the volume on so you can hear what's going on. But you can hear our, if you got the podcast on your phone or whatever, you can hear it. It's a balance out. So it's a cool little interaction. Um, looking for some feedback on that as well. Um, as well, give me some feedback on it too. And Virgil and I are very excited about it. Also, we are going to SummerSlam together. So Virgil and I are going to talk about SummerSlam as well. And uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be with me, him, I'm taking Little Man, my boy trip. We're all going to go to SummerSlam in Detroit, so we're pretty excited about that. By the way, WWE announcing Fastlane in October here in Indianapolis, and they're going to Chicago for Survivor Series. And I may be on my way out there. I may be on my way out there, so could going to be a good time, and going to be a lot going on. Wrestling is booming right now. Speaking of professional wrestling, while we're at it, Um, got some things that were uh, brought to my attention. I was reading online that uh, there's been some reports online about certain situations in the wrestling business. I read somewhere that uh, WWE has uh, there are still some booking outlets there. You know, everybody knows about the bloodline feud between Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Um, The bloodline explosion. Implosion. Roman does not have a faction around him. And at SummerSlam, it's going to culminate in Roman versus Jay one on one for the WWE Championship, uh, WWE Universal Championship, whatever. It's the it's the it's the main title. Roman is going to defend that World Championship against Jay Uso one on one at SummerSlam. They are going to main event SummerSlam in Detroit, in Detroit at Ford Field. And I be honest with you, um, I am pro Roman Reigns. I'm retain the title. I've been pro Roman Reigns since. August 2020 of SummerSlam when he returned and this 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 feud started and this run, excuse me, started Roman of him being the, not only the number one heel in the business, not only being the number one guy in the business, but just this dominant run that we have seen that we'll probably, you won't see for another 25, 30 years. You're not going to see a run like this. And I've always stayed and I've all, I've stated this a thousand times to people about Roman, you know, When you see a guy like this on television that can cultivate you to a point where he's not on TV a lot, he doesn't work a full-time schedule, he doesn't do this and that, but you know what, Roman is money. Roman Reigns is basically the number one guy in this business because people can believe in a guy that stands there with that look, that credibility, and he, let's be honest, Roman Reigns looks like an athlete. He looks like a guy when he walks into a room, people are going to turn their heads, and that's a fact. It is. And I the the slandered online that Roman gets, well, he's protected by the WWE. If he didn't have the WWE, he would be nobody, blah, 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 blah. Here's my thing, and this is where I'm gonna stand on this ten toes down. If Roman Reigns was available, Tony Khan would offer him whatever he wanted and whatever was wanted for him to come to AEW. If Roman Reigns went to AEW, that would be the biggest free agent move in wrestling history since Hulk Hogan joined WCW it would be and I don't want to hear the Chris Jericho bullshit or John Moxley or anything else Roman Reigns is that type of guy where immediately whoop, ratings would shift plain and simple people can tell and here's another thing I want to point out AEW Dynamite is becoming so unwatchable to the point where it's just poof, piss poor but collision on Saturdays it's so much better it feels like a better product the commentary the way it's shot everything about collision is better that being said I mean this I don't think having a wrestling show on Saturday nights is a good idea right now. I think WWE moving their premium live events, their pay-per-view events to Saturdays was a good idea. It's a good idea because you know Sundays are kind of the Old Testament. Now you use Saturdays, it makes sense. My biggest gripe and issue with AEW on Saturday nights is, okay. You're gonna push a live show weekly on Saturday nights when you know WWE does a premium live event on Saturday nights. Now they kept their audience this past week. This past week because of Collision, <coughs> what, what uh, they kept their, their live audience with Collision, and they were able to keep it because Money in Bank happened at two or three o'clock start time in the UK. Listen, that that ain't gonna. That's not you can't periodically work, want. That to happen. I mean, if I was them, what I would do is I would probably move Collision to Thursday nights. I would really move it to Thursday. I would. I would. First off, you got a a live show Wednesday. You got a tape show on Friday that you tape on Wednesday, and you got a show on Saturday night. The only I would rather than move to a fucking Sunday. At this point, or have it on a fucking. If you really want to be ballsy, do it on Monday or Tuesday. But they, I don't. The Saturday night time slot just does not work for me. There's a reason why WWE got rid of the Saturday night's main event for all those years. They ran their course with NBC. There's a reason why they got rid of it because it's just it's too it's too expensive, and there's not a lot of eyes on Saturday night. People go out on Saturday nights anymore. People don't want to be up inside TV watching television. Dynamite, I mean, Collision hasn't done a million viewership yet. I believe I could be wrong. Somebody out there tell me if I'm wrong or not. I think they've done 800, 900,000. I think they had one episode where they had a, a range of between 500 and 600 people. It's just not working. And here I go again, people talking about I'm bitching about AEW. I'm not bitching about the product. I'm just bitching in general like it's just a bad It's just a bad idea to have a show on Saturday nights. Even though Collision is really good, it's really good, but there's not a... The, the, The eyes, there should be more eyes on it. It's that good. That's all I'm saying. And another thing, too. AEW has been, there's been folks teasing around the internet about MJF, the world champion. Who should dethrone him? And I keep hearing the name Adam Cole. Here's my thing. Name me one baby face on there that's going to take that belt off MJF and run with it and make something happen. AEW is kind of not dead in the water, but they're afloat, but... It's not the waves, or they're kind of getting too much for them, and they're kind of just whatever. Yes, they have three. They have three shows on a, uh, uh, on a Turner Network, Warner Network. It was just reported today that before I got on here, that um, AEW uh, Warner Discovery wants AEW to have more pay per views. Um, so you know the monthly television specials, that the, you know the once a quarter monthly specials they do, where you know Grant Dynamite Grand Slam and. Um, you know, the little themes they do, the blood and guts and stuff. Here's the thing, guys. You're putting out on free for television, which is awesome, and I get it. But you imagine if you took two of those events and put them in the middle of the year for a pay-per-view? Because there's a lot of space. They got Revolution in in March, then they do uh, Double or Nothing in May, then they take all the way off till September for All Out, and then they do Full Gear in November. It's just to a point where it's like... You gotta, I know they've put dynamite grand slams in there. They've got, um, you know, fire, uh, fight the studio, fighter fest, or whatever. And they still got, you know, dynamite homecoming. They do that. Little things like that I get, and blood and guts. But you gotta put this on pay per view. If you want to survive in this era, you have to put money on that. Now, they are doing all out in Wembley Stadium, and they're setting records with the tens with that. And I am, and I'm thrilled about that. I'm happy about that. But for a guy like me, who loves wrestling? I just suggest the once a quarter pay per view. There's too much space, and that's kind of I feel like how AEW storylines kind of drag and they get off kilter a little bit because they either finish too soon or they drag out too long, and it doesn't make sense, and they they kill themselves. There's now there are some things they do really well, but I'm I just think if they if they did the right thing, and made it to a point where you put. All your chips in, and say, okay, we're gonna put a pay per view on in January. We're gonna put a pay per view on in June, and we're gonna put those, we're gonna fill those two out. We'll fill those two up, and we'll make events out of that. You probably would get more uh, satisfaction where you can have eight week builds to pay per views instead of having. Oh, we got all these great angles on television. We're going to blow it off on TV in a match in front of 400 people or 4,000 people on a television show when you could blow it off on a pay-per-view in a big arena, full production, where people are going to pay for an outcome when you book an angle to make something happen. That's the way wrestling works. I know the Clash of Champions were great back in the day. Clash of Champions was awesome, but that era is gone people aren't watching television like they were 20 30 years ago not even five or ten years ago they're not watching television you really look at the average what the number one television show in America probably right now is probably average of maybe what four to five million viewers if that if you if I think if I could be wrong about that the only things that draw on television right now are sports sports still has a high number it always has been but like I said, professional wrestling. Raw barely does a million viewers. SmackDown does great because of the, the angles they're rolling on the television and Roman's believability. I mean the blood si- the bloodline, the bloodline um, tribal the the tribal chief uh, uh, the trial of the tribal chief Roman Reigns with the bloodline issue exploding that drew three million viewers, and it was the highest grossing SmackDown in the history of SmackDown on Friday night. That just shows you what happens when you take a storyline and you do it correctly. You cannot fault one thing in that Bloodline storyline. You can't find one fall in it at all. Not at all. Nothing. And speaking of the, the... So the two top... We have three really major world champions. We have the AEW world champion... And MJF, we have the WWE Universal World Heavyweight Champion, Universal Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion, whatever, Roman Reigns, and we have the World Heavyweight Champion on Raw and Seth Rollins. Here's what I think. Who would I have defeat these guys, and who would I roll dice? Let's start with AEW, MJF. My opinion, if I was to pull the trigger on MJF, I would look at my roster and say, do I pull the trigger now, or do I hang on to another year? MJF has had the belt since full gear. He's had some good matches. He had the match with Daniel Bryan. Um, the the, 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 the Ironman match with Daniel Bryan Danielson. I thought, was really good. Um, but outside of that, he had a solid match on television. Ricky Starks, I thought, was really good. The Fatal 4-Way at Double or Nothing was okay with the four pillars, but it was kind of the build up wasn't the best I thought and I think but it, it, I kind of think it hurt the match but the match was good in itself um, I think everybody points to him and Adam Cole they're building towards that them having a match I think that's okay on paper um, oh I forgot about his match with Tanahashi Forbidden Door, where I thought MJF looked great but Tanahashi looks like he's just he needs to take time off and kill some injuries Tanahashi looks washed he just does. Um, so who would I have beat MJF? I wouldn't go with Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole is a is a good cop out. I think he's a good cop out if Adam Cole beats MJF. That's great, but I don't think I think the next world champion. You've gone from Chris Jericho to Moxley to Omega, Adam Page, Punk, Moxley again, Punk, Mox. And MJF. And you're talking about Adam Cole. It just doesn't seem right. If I was them, I would go through my roster. If I was Tony Khan, I said, Who do I have on this roster that I could build up for another? Because you got time till all in, all out, and full gear. You have time. If I was them, I would look at, say, outside of Sam Punk, who is the number one guy in my company, he does do numbers. Who can I believe that would put a shock in the world at beating MJ for the world title? Now, I will say, you know, as a fan of Wardlow, if his booking had been the drizzling dog shits, I would pull the trigger on that. If they could have squeezed Drew McIntyre away, which I thought wasn't going to happen, Drew was going to come back no matter what. If Drew McIntyre had came and debuted it all out like everybody thought he was going to when I thought it was not he wasn't leaving. Drew McIntyre showed up at All Out, that would have been the guy that pulled the trigger and I put the belt immediately on and him beat MJF in the middle of the ring. Um, Guys that I think, another guy that you, uh, another guy's name, I wouldn't mind seeing them build up, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them take a chance on, you know, make it Samoa Joe, a guy that could be optional, a guy of that size and that potential. You could see him getting a shot at MJF and choking MJF out and just dominating MJF and give him a run. Joe is a believability. His credibility is good. Uh, powerhouse Hobbs is a babyface, a guy that maybe you can build up for six, seven months and have a, a believable threat to MJF's world title and maybe be a big shocker, maybe a filler champion where, you know, Powerhouse beats him, and then four months later, pay-per-view, he drops a title to a heel that you want to get the belt on and give a give a shot in the arm to. Because if MJF contract comes up, he's going to WWE. I take a swig of this Pepsi. And that's just a fact. That's what the way the world looks at when you see it. MJF, when his contract comes up, he's going up north. It's gonna happen. I know the whole thing's a work. Him and Tony Khan, the BS, blah, 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 blah. It's a work. MJF shows up on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, it's money. MJF comes to WWE, now he's got to tone down his cussing. He's going to tone down a lot of things, but he can be a viable option on professional wrestling. He shows up on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or whatever, it's money. Um, so I just threw some names out there. Um, guys I wouldn't try with, I wouldn't try Keith Lee. I think he's dead in the water. I just talked about Wardlow, but I don't see it. I wouldn't mind seeing Omega and MJF doing some work together. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind Hangman Adam Page getting another shot. Just a lot of things that um, I, I like to see. That's just my opinion with MJF. Now let's talk about the WWE world title. So we got let's start off with Seth Rollins. What would I do with Seth Rollins? I would keep that belt on Seth Rollins as long as I can. Now, the, there has been the rumor about Damian Priest cashing on him and Finn Balor and getting a run. There's rumors about that. Here's what I'm take, th- taking. This is what I'm thinking. I would do this. You take... There's one guy on that Raw roster. I go, that's the guy right there. I look I look at Gunther. And I see him and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia on night one of WrestleMania. Tearing the house down, and Roman—I mean, excuse me—and Gunther getting the win over Rollins. If you don't go with that, here's what I can do. I can see Seth Rollins down the line, maybe at Survivor Series, maybe at another pay per view. Rollins is in the ring with somebody. Damian Priest runs out, cashes in, and Damian gets the win over Rollins. Gets the win over Rollins, and you see Rollins chase after Damian Priest for months. I don't think that's bad. I think a heel Drew McIntyre would be a great option to pinning Seth Rollins. So I just list three guys. Here's some other guys I can throw at you that I think would be a bad idea. I think bringing up Braun Breaker on Raw and having him say, all right, champ, I got experience on anything, but I'm here to take your world title. And I have Braun Breaker and Seth Rollins had that match. By the way, they need. if anybody wants to go back and watch Braun Breaker, that dude is 25 years old that guy is the future of wrestling. His size, his potential. Braun Breaker is amazing in the ring. Braun Breaker would be a great option. I wouldn't be against uh, them. You know, I wouldn't be against fucking Logan Paul coming in and shocking the world and beating him. But my main option, the top three picks for me would be Gunther is one, Priest with a cash in, or a heel Drew McIntyre. Now let's talk about Roman Reigns. What would I do with Roman Reigns? How would I end the belt? First off, I wouldn't have him drop the belt anytime soon. I know he's—I think he's fourth or fifth on time in their list of world champions. I mean, the reign has been incredible. Here are some guys that are by names. I've heard the rumor about Cody at WrestleMania 40. I wouldn't mind it. Um, personally, I think Cody on Chasing Rollins on Raw uh, on Raw would be. I think would be lazy because we've seen that work so many times. And Cody beating Rollins for the fourth time will kind of seem like a cheap ass world title win if you really look at. It. I mean, 2021 we saw Cody beat Rollins, or it was 2021 or 2022? Excuse me. We saw Cody beat Rollins three times in a row on pay per view. We saw him beat at Mania. We uh, when they had when Rollins was surprised by him at Mania, he was his opponent. They had a great match. Cody got the win. Then he goes the following month of Backlash and beats him in a, 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 like a schoolboy or black backside or whatever finish. Then we have the Hell in a Cell match where Cody fucking, fucking tore his pec or tore his bicep or whatever. And Rollins lost him in a Hell in a Cell match. So where does that put the do, do you so how do you how do you have Cody beat Rollins four times in a row to win a world title? He's already beaten him three times to the audience out there and like, okay, Cody's got a Cody got a world title win, but unless you turn Cody heel out of that, that's the only way it will work. And still it's gonna make people go, wait a minute, he's beaten Rollins three times. Why would he not it should be an easy win? So what is it about finishing the story unless you're gonna be a heel? If he's gonna be a babyface out of that, it's not gonna work. Just saying. But for Roman, obviously Cody would be an option. Cody and him running it back at WrestleMania 40 would be an option. I think Gunther winning the Royal Rumble and showing up, him and Roman going one-on-one, that would be big at Mania. I think that wouldn't be a bad option. I don't see Priest cashing in on Roman. I don't see that happening. For some reason, I think they want to keep the Judgment Day thing going on raw, and I think it's a smart idea. <coughs> so I think Priest would be an option. I think Priest is kind of out of the window other guys a name. Um I can see where we can finally get maybe Bray Wyatt comes back and maybe that's a viable situation we can go Roman loses to Bray. I mean the story did start technically with The Fiend, didn't it? It started with Bray Wyatt. Or Cody's probably the option you go with. Now everybody's talking about Jay Uso. Here's the thing about Jay. I like Jay a lot. I think he's great when he's done. But Jay is going to be out. Ele- Jay just being in the ring and SummerSlam to finish this feud off is just going to be elevated enough. I think Roman's going to beat Jay one, two, three in the middle of the ring, and that's it. In a good match, they're going to have a great match. They're going to tear the house down. And it'll be over. That being said, what about Solo Sokoa? I can see a situation where Roman loses the world title. Soa, uh, Solo, and Paul Heyman turn on Roman. Paul goes with solo, and Roman right leaves for a little while. and Then he comes back as a babyface. That Roman's gonna be a babyface within the next year and a half, probably again one day. Roman's gonna be a babyface within the next two years. It's gonna, it's coming, it will come. So that would be, that's where I think about solo and Jay getting a world title. I don't think it was viable. Cody is probably the only option. Gunther would be another option just in case if Gunther says, "I want to challenge the real world champion. I want to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania." And Gunther beating Roman would be amazed. They would have a. I think Gunther and Roman would tear the house down. I really do. Um, I think Braun, even a Braun Breaker. If you bring Braun Breaker in, he's been a heel. If you bring Braun in as a babyface and build him up for a year against Roman, I think people would get into the spear that Braun has. Braun Breaker has against Roman. That'd be great. But obviously, that's what it looks like. So. That being said, I just named off some things. I just realized some WWE does not have the... Gr- WWE has done a great job of protecting Roman. A great job. I also realized something. Their babyfaces are kind of weak. They got, lot, they got a lot of group, group of heels, but their babyfaces are kind of weak. And I don't want to hear a thing about LA Knight. Look, man, I love LA Knight. But LA Knight, never, he's never going to be a world champion WWE. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't see it. His age... Ba- he, he's going to be a babyface real soon. I guess he's getting a shot at Roman, but he ain't going to beat Roman. And no, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens ain't going to be in that group either. That shit's passed by too. Good God. <coughs> now, that being said, what else is there to talk about? Oh, yeah. Forgot about this. I pissed the people off on TikTok the other day. I don't talk about politics at all. I just don't on this program. I don't talk about it at all. And I might shun people away now, but I'm going to bring this up as I take a sip of my Pepsi. I sat back and posted the TikTok. I've been following Robert RFK, Robert, Robert Kennedy Jr., the son of Robert Kennedy, of Bobby Kennedy, who was assassinated. I've been following him on, you know, he's been showing up on my TikTok feed for whatever reason. He's been showing up and Bobby was talking about things and... You know, he's been, everything, every time he opens his mouth, you know, he's been catching my eyes on things. And then he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I listened to him on Joe Rogan, and it was the first time I've listened to a politician's interview and didn't quit listening to the whole thing. And I don't talk about presidential, because I, if you know me personally, I'm not a, I am not I was not a fan of Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump did a lot of great financial things for this country, but the stupidity that came out of his mouth sometimes with the way he was talking to reporters and the way he talked to people and how childish he came off and how, you know, sometimes people fucking, there's a certain group of people that were attached to Trump that made things look even worse. Yeah. And the fact I didn't like his vice president, Mike Pence at all. Everybody knows me knows I can't stand Mike Pence. And then you get, you know, crackpot Joe Biden in office who came and even wipe his own ass, let's be honest. I was just so fed up with the presidential, and you got Kamala Harris. Who can anybody let me know what she's done as vice president? Because somebody tell me what she's done. I'm just trying to figure it out. But outside of that, I have been so weary of the last ever since 2020. I've been weary of everything, and I've just been fed up with everything. I've been fed up with the bullshit and the lies, and I'm just been like, whatever. Then I see Kennedy start talking, and it's just like, maybe. And I will make this real clear. In 2024, if I'm a Democrat voter or I'm a Republican voter, I would listen. Or if I'm a libertarian or independent on both sides, like I am. I'm independent. I don't I don't have a side in the fight. If Robert Kennedy Jr. is on the ballot, I may vote for him because I think he really means well for our country, and I think he really can change things. And I think as a guy, for one, he's in his 60s. That is a plus, and on that he's in great shape. He looks incredible, and I also believe he is well spoken. And he's also one of the few presidents that goes on CNN and Fox News, and that he's not getting overran with questions. People believe. I think people. It's nice to see a president not going at networks and just having, or the guy who's a nominee and just having whatever. I really believe on stand him and Biden. He's. I don't think the Democrats. I think if there's there's a certain group of Democrats that want Biden to run because. Anybody knows, seems, tells you Biden ain't running this damn thing. Somebody else has to because there's no way. But there's the the large portion of voters out there don't want Biden running again because they don't believe Biden can win another election. If Kennedy is on the ballot, I'll vote for him. I probably will because it'd be the because I really believe he'll do change. I really believe it. Now, DeSantos for Florida. I'm not. I think he can do a lot of good things financially for us. But I think he's an idiot. I think he's a show-off, and I'm not a fan of that. Candace Owens is another one. She appeals to certain pe- type of people that I don't agree with. Um, I don't care how educated you are or how great you sound. I don't need you appealing to white folks. I don't need you appealing to my ass at all, Candace. I feel like she does that too much. Donald Trump, I've had enough four years. Finance she's good, but we can't take a step back. We need to go forward with this. We have to go forward. We can't step back. So, yeah, Kennedy's the only vote in my opinion, that matters. And if he's on ballot, I'm voting for him plain and simple rfk for 2024 rfk dream for 2024 you heard it now so that being said and i've been i got called a tool on that fucking i posted that thing i got called a tool on this i got called a liar i didn't think i got called you are a tool you're not paying attention blah 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 you're not paying attention to nothing And I responded with my normal thing. Like people were calling me a tool and calling me out saying I don't pay attention enough. They can't even spell right. So I had to point that out with somebody. Then I had another guy call me a tool when he couldn't even see straight because he had one eye looking at Pluto and the other eye looking at Earth. And I called him out on that. There's a difference. Plain and simple. So that'll be that. Um, Also, another thing. Kenny Payne pissed. Kenny Payne done it again. He pissed off everybody. The Universal. He pissed off everybody. Kenny Payne literally pissed off everyone. Kenny Payne went on the John the John Rothstein's podcast, went on it, and was talking about the program and stuff. And I'm going to pull this up real quick because I'm going to play this on my phone real quick. And I mean this. This is and this is Kenny. If you listen to what he's saying, um. I just, uh, I just people annoy the shit out of me. And this is what, uh, you know, Ty spalding. I made, I've had some comments about Ty in the, the past, but Ty has done some situations where I think he he does do a solid job of uh, <clears throat> does a solid job of coverage. Even though he has said some, he has done a lot of things and ran his mouth about a lot of people, including me. With a loser mentality, tweet he put out about last year around this time. He's kind of an asshole, but I've always said he does coverage Louisville, so I I have to follow him. And let's see, where's these tweets at? Oh, <laughs> okay, so. This is what he said. This is what he said on the John Rothstein podcast. Kenny Painted. You can get guys out of the portal and have success for a year. I'd rather rather build a program and do it the right way and get young guys to have a good mixture with veteran guys who have sustainability and not for a year. When I look at last year opposed to this year, obviously we didn't have the wins and losses that we wanted to have, but I walk away saying I gave those kids everything I had. Now I have a new group and I think we are, are heading in the right direction. It's not everybody's fault. It's just the cards we were dealt. It's part of the process of going through all the investigation from the NCAA and we would not be able to get the type programs that, type players that deserve to be in this program. I just think we are dealt with a set of cards that were a little bit unfortunate. We knew we wouldn't be great. I can say that. I wouldn't do anything different. We went after the top players and we had sanctions all over on our head. People were saying that we were going to get the death penalty. We won four games and we have a top 10 recruiting class walking the door on paper. And that says a lot just about not just not just me, but the staff and the program. First thing that comes to my mind about the roster is that the talent level is a lot better, thank God. The amount of players we can produce and be a part of it, a guy can't take a day off. Every single day you look around yours, 12, 13, 14 guys, somebody's coming at you. They're competitive, they're skilled, they have a chance to surprise people. I envision... And, this is, and then now he started, and then Kenny gets into the process of talking about play, Certain players This is about Sky Clark I envision him to be able to handle the position He's got the keys to the program He's very poised He has a chip on his shoulder He has a lot to prove He's a winner I expect Sky Clark to be one of the best scars in the country Then he talks about Trent Flowers I'm very lucky and blessed to have him with us I love his spirit His competitive nature His willingness to learn But also This is going to be hard for him He really should be a high school senior He's right But I also believe that Flowers is ready for this. Any guy that size that knows he's ready, he's ready. Trey White is so talented. He's a multi-dimensional player. He's very versatile wing player. He can play some four. He can play some two. He can play some three. I'm just asking him to come here and learn as much as he can and lead us. I think Curtis Williams has been very good. I think that Caron Davis is going to be a good player. I think Mike James has came back better, more focused, and more developed. I'm going to need a big year from Bradley Huntley Hatfield. The last piece of the puzzle is how good – can David Dennis Evans be? He's a seven foot one in high school. He blocked a lot of shots. If he can be, if he can be what we need him to be, it changes the whole dynamic of our team. Ty, put that out there. And then there was a clip online of you know people out there, little fans, have the right to be upset about the four and twenty-eight year and everything else. They had a lot, a lot to be upset with. I get it wholeheartedly understand it i understand it and i i'm totally with you guys i understand they have the right to be upset but let's be let's be 100 about this and i mean this and this is just a fact and this is just me being me and me being honest about this the fact that they won four games and they still brought in a top 6 to 10 recruiting class in the country speaks to the level of respect that people have for this program and what they have for that staff. Now, that being said also, people were talking about how Kenny didn't take blame for anything that happened last year. Kenny Payne came into a program that was coming off a 13-win season, lost seven of their top scores, I believe, lost leaderships in their back, lost backcourt back leadership, and not only that, also a coach that quit on him in midseason, and their fifth-year senior captain Malik Williams, him and Mike Pegasus about got in a fight on the on in practice one day. So something had, like Kenny Payne said at best, something happened in this program where I need something had to be addressed. What did he do at the season season end? He went in and told Fabio Basili, Sidney Curry, Eli Ellis, Jalen Withers, uh, Devin Reed, uh, Roosevelt Wheeler. Who else? There's, there's, there's six. Kamari Lanes is seven. Who There are two. My God, my mind is going crazy right now. Good God. Well, he told nine guys. I just need all seven guys. But he told nine people the other two that were with him I can't forget their names right now I apologize but he told all those guys to go he told all those guys to go. And then you got Eli Ellis who came out about, what, about a couple weeks back. He said that, um, well, you know, the reason why I didn't come back to Louisville was because they promised Sky Clark, you know, the keys to the, the program. He's going to be the starting point guard. I'm going to take the ball out of my hands, blah, 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 And Sky Clark came out and said, no, in fact, that's a lie. We me, me and Eli could have worked this together. Plain simple, Eli wasn't going to fit in what Kenny was going to do. Kenny was going to rely on multiple guys getting involved, non-positionless basketball, playing with Huntley, Evans and Okafor sharing time at the five with trainer rim running and guys like Caleb Glenn and maybe Curtis Williams come in and tri- contrib- contribute, but Trey white flowers, Clark, Mike James, those four guys are going to be the keys to winning this, this season. They're also going to be the four guys that lead the way. And that's a fact. Now everybody's saying, what about the fact Tyler Johnson, the point guard from New York city, isn't on campus yet. He's had issues with his grades. Where is he at? Blah, blah, blah. Here's what's going on with that. People are bitching about we have one primary ball handler. Here's the thing. If you look at Karan Davis, Quran Davis was recruited, the Juco player. Everybody was bitching about, well, he didn't have any D1 offers. Louisville Offer was starting to recruit him. He had offers from NC State and some other programs. I mean, his, his name was growing. Keating went out and grabbed him and got a hold of him before anybody else could get him. Quran can play, he can play the point, the two, or the wing. He can play it. He's 6'7", he can handle the ball like a guard. They know, he knows what he's doing. He has the roster in place. You don't think Trent Flowers can play a little point and play a little positionless, get the ball and get guys involved? Like, he's got ball handlers. People were bitching about Mike James. Mike James, I read, has lost 10 to 15 pounds. He's dropped some weight, you know, get lighter on his feet. Trey White is another guy. That's 6'6", six, 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 but he can play small ball power forward or he can play on the wing and he can play on the two. And he's a matchup not – he's a great – he's a good defender. He's a great offside rebounder, which means his offensive glass off the coming off the cuff on weak sides. He come in and clean it up a little bit, which is outside they really need addressed. I agree with one thing, Kenny Payne, one of many things I agree with him, but the biggest thing is Huntley Hatfield. He's the key. If Huntley Hatfield can play like the five-star recruit he was coming out of high school, he comes in this year and he dominates and he comes in he sets the tone like I think he can – Huntley Halfville is going to be a problem. He's got a lot. You can look at that guy's potential. He can step out and shoot threes, but man, oh man, he gets his back to the basket. He can post with anybody. He can play with his back to the basket. He can play it. It's about motor. Last year, how the hell are you going to have a motor playing with those guys? Last year, it was embarrassing to watch. I know. It was hard to watch last year. Basketball was hard to watch last year, as a little fan. But I watched every game that I was able to unless I was working. I watched everything. I was going down to... um, girlfriend got free tickets to the Horizon League championship game. Guess what I had on the way there going when I was going to the Pepsi Coliseum? I had the Louisville game up on the dashboard. Gets busted college. I hate it. What happened last year? And I was dead ass wrong about that team and I was standing ten toes down about how wrong I was and I'll live with that and I will live with that. Plain simple. But I'm not going to sit here and sit there and say well Kenny Payne's be fired. After one year how can you fire a guy? after that. It wasn't his fault the program came into. If Kenny Payne came into this program in March and the sanctions had been lifted, that Louisville team would have looked a lot different last year because they would have gotten the guys they wanted, the Tyrell Hunters. They would have got probably Amoni Banks. They would have got certain guys. They would have had an nervous on well, the NIL deals. The NIL deals, that's what Kenny, Kenny doesn't want you coming here to be on an NIL deal. He wants you to come here to be the part of the Universal Louisville. You can get guys like that. Everybody's pointing to Munsell at Arkansas, and I'm a fan of Munsell, but let's be honest. Look what he just did. He had the number. He had a top five recruiting class come in this past offseason, got to the Sweet 16, and everybody in that class is gone. And what is he doing? He's rebuilding with the portal. You can't do that in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out every year. You have to have consistency. And that's what Kenny Payne is doing. He's got a hell of a group of freshmen. He's got a young core of guys, and he's got a couple vets on this squad. He's trying to – this is what you're supposed to do. And everybody said, "Well, he didn't put a stamp on how many wins they're going to have this year." He said basically goes, "It's hard to tell cuz you don't know what can happen." He's being honest. But you know deep down, Kenny Payne knows this program, I'm going to turn this program around, I know what I'm going to do. It's coming. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I think they I got to see him on I got to see them at the scrimmage and I got to evaluate them. I do believe that they can be they can be they're very athletic. They look like they look long. I mean hell people were bitching about the production team not showing them hoop and they show them you know they're doing more charity and doing this and that it's just you can't win with Louisville's fans Louisville fans used to be so smart they really did and you know it's been a rough while since 20, 2015 2016 it's been rough it's been a rough seven years man it's been rough and I'm stressed out about it I'm pissed off too like everybody else but man I gotta be I have to be positive. If you told me that Kenny was going to land a top 10 recruiting class after having a 4-28 year, I thought, fuck, you got to win. You've got to win, dude. You know 2024, he's going to get a class. He's going to get a class with that one. And what's been the target of that one? Shooting. He's bringing in shooting with this. You guys got to sit back and just let it ride, man. They can make the NCAA tournament. With this roster on paper, they can make the NCAA tournament. Now everybody says, well, they're coaching and everything else. I mean, Kenny only won four games. Everybody says, well, they shouldn't be that bad. Well, here's the thing. Can you do better? Do you think any coach in the country could have came in and got those guys to compete? There's just no way. There's no. Those guys were horrible. Those guys have been beating the shit. Something happened. We'll never know. We will never know what happened to those guys. We can speculate all, but we'll never know the truth. We will never know the truth about what happened. And that's a fact about what happened with those gentlemen in that locker room. And I really believe that Malik Williams, Chris Mack, that the staff that was at that time, the president, the president of the program, when she suspended Mac for Dino's bullshit, I really believe that that hurt. And I also believe that COVID fucked Chris Mac too. I think COVID hurt Mac a little bit too. Plain and simple. And there's another thing that I think falter. I want to talk about Chris Mac for a second. Everybody think you know Chris Mac went on this you know marble Mouse, John uh, Jeff Goodman's podcast a while back. You know Jeff uh, Goodman's a really good friend of Chris Mac. He makes it clear with his criticism Kenny Payne. Goodman talks about how, you know, Chris said, I had it better off. Certain, you know, I shouldn't, you know, you don't leave the place for greener pasture, but you know what happens. Chris left Louisville, Xavier, for Louisville for a reason. He grew up a fan of Louisville. He grew up in the 80s. He grew up around that thing, the pompousness of the pompousness, the things a Louisville. And Chris Mack put this frame about tough players, tough minded. Chris Mack was nothing but a shell front and a bullshit con artist. The guy brought Dino Godlin in as a recruiter. Dino ain't done shit in a while. Couldn't recruit. Brought certain guys in that nobody fucking paid attention to. You turn around. Think about this one. You you let Luke Murray go. You fire Luke Murray, let him go. Let him go to bring a couple guys in. And Luke Murray goes to UConn with Dan Hurley. It wins a national championship. How does that work? Just dumb shit like that. Just dumb, stupid shit like that. And then the fact that he tried to play that boring-ass offense, play that four-out-one-in with certain guys, and it just does not work. And, you know, he was hurt by sanctions. He couldn't recruit. He couldn't do this. He couldn't do that. I get it. I understand that. Same time, man, there was a lot. You had a six-man Avenger-style class coming in with the Irish Hawk, David Johnson, Sam Williamson, um, Quinn Scalzinghi. Uh, um, gosh dang it. Withers was in that class. And who was the other man that was in that class? There's five. There was a sixth man. Who was the sixth one? Guys, somebody out there, me! I'm losing my mind. Anyway, you brought, uh, you brought those guys in. <clears throat> and everybody thought immediately with some of the guys that had coming in, they had Enoch, you had Malik Williams, Jordan Nora. They had certain guys in place where everybody thought, okay, like, this is the class. And the last month they were there, they were 24-7. and seven. They could have been. They should have had a loss only about four games that year. They were 24-7, and seven and the world shut down with COVID. And then he couldn't get anybody to recruit. He got Colley Jones from Radford as a grad transfer. It was pretty good. But he also had Dre Davis, a guy that I really liked. He had fucking, um, gosh, what's his name? You had JJ Trainer come in. Dad was dad. Jason Osborne played at Louisville, so he's family. So I was like, all right, but it just didn't mix. Something was off. You know that team played that he played that stretch of guys like a lot of minutes. Like Jalen Withers had to play the five when he's really a, a four or a three. And you know, then the following year, they you know they get this squad to come in. They let some guys go, but they bring in Jared West. They bring in Noah Locke, Sidney Curry comes in, they bring a lot of guys in, and just nothing falters, nothing works. Nothing works. They went to the Bahamas and won a tournament when Mac was suspended. They were 5-1. They bring Mac back and then they, they go back and forth. And I knew when I knew Chris Mack was fired. Saturday, they were playing Notre Dame. Louisville was playing Notre Dame. Russ Smith was Jersey was getting retired. Number two, Russ Smith. Jersey retired at Louisville, won a national championship and a Final Four. And plain and simple, everything was going fine. And they got their ass kicked. I knew I said, they better go to Monday night and beat Virginia or he'll be gone by Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. And sure enough, Mac was gone by Tuesday afternoon. They got He was fired. And then everybody, the rumor was, was it Kenny Payne? I heard... The rumor I kept hearing was Kenny Payne, Munselin from Arkansas, Scott Drew from Baylor, and there was a fourth name. There was rumors about Jay Wright coming out, retirement, to take the Louisville job. And I knew who was going to get the job. I knew Kenny Payne was going to get the job. I also... Ed Cooley wouldn't have been a bad idea. I think Ed Cooley would have done well at Louisville. But, plain and simple, Kenny Payne got that job, and he's made it work. He's made it work, and... That he came in and made it work for what he had to do with. He had to deal with a lot. He cut a lot of guys loose. He brought some guys in. He missed out on a lot of guys. But let me tell you something. After that season, like my dad told me, Kenny, basically, dad told me because all he needs is one recruit to fall and the rest will fall. He got Dennis Evans. Then Sky Clark and Trent Flyers within a week. Then there was rumors about certain guys. He brought that. His name escapes me, but the. The, the Basically a freshman That didn't play at all In Miami Brought him in People lost their Fucking mind over that They gave that guy A scholarship But then he turns around Gets Tyler Johnson He gets Trey White He gets certain guys Like that And he still brings in He still has his core He's brought in Nine fresh faces In this program To go along with Emmanuel As I knocked my microphone over To go along with Emmanuel Okafor, who I think has a lot of potential. Mike James, who I think can be a lottery pick or a first-round pick in the NBA draft. J.J. Trainer, who I think can be one of the best energy guys in the ACC or possibly in the country. And Branley huntley Hatfield, who has potential to be a great forward in college basketball. He's got a lot of guys. And I'm excited. And I will tell you this right now. I'm not going to be a season ticket whore for this year, but next year, not the season come up the following year, you best believe I'll have season tickets to Louisville. And I will be a season ticket whore for basketball because that's been a dream of mine and it will happen. I guarantee you that. Now, anything else to be talked about before I sign off? Just a reminder Virgil Patton will be on the program. And I want to point this out too. I can hear people right now, why are you talking about when you brought the whole politics things? I was bringing it up, it's just my opinion on things, man. You can hate it. You can love it. I don't care. But don't sit there and bitch me out for opinion I have. I'm not attacking nobody. I'm not saying anything derogatory about anybody. I said what I said, and I meant what I said. I didn't say anything to offend anybody, so I don't want to hear that bullshit from anybody. All right. And there was a rumor, or a, rumor, a, little, thing, a little buzz that started about me starting a second podcast. Here's the thing, guys. I've been playing on a YouTube channel and it got pushed back again. I'm sorry about that but I've been very busy. Here's the thing. if I was to do another podcast, it would be a strictly horror related show. It'd be nothing but about it'd be nothing about horror films. It would. It would be something I would just talk about horror films all day long and everything else. and that's all I would do for that podcast. So tune in next week on Thursdays for Conversations with Shelby Green. And let me know if you need, if you would like to sponsor the show, all you got to do is email me at greenshelby0310 at gmail.com or message me on Facebook or Instagram or any of my socials. You can find me, look me up on any, any platform. And just remember one thing, guys, like always, I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is straight up. Have a good one, y'all.